Indeed, I hope that is your prayer, to live your life to the glory of God. That is to demonstrate the beauty of who he is working through your life. What a great testimony in song and a good prayer for each of us on a daily basis. Let's look in his word today at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And thanks, Isaac, and your prayer for introducing really what we're dealing with here in John 15. We've gotten to the section of verse 18, which is kind of unique, in which Jesus explains to his disciples that the world hates you. This if the world hates you that's mentioned in verse 18 is, as I mentioned last week, is first class conditional clause. It, it really can be thought of as when. It isn't that every single moment of the day, but there will certainly be times in which it is expressed more fully. And so when that happens, recognize that in reality, the world, the system that we're in, the culture, ultimately hates Christ. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's going to be manifested in various degrees. Some, like the apostles, will actually be persecuted to death. Others may receive verbal hatred at various points in between. But Jesus is making it clear to his disciples before the hatred of the world is expressed to him in the crucifixion the next day that the world does hate them and for them to prepare for it so that indeed they would not be blindsided when it does happen. Jesus prepared his disciples and it is recorded in God's word to prepare his disciples not just then but even now. If you knew that a disaster is coming, some sort of natural disaster, if you knew for sure, I suppose that most of us would prepare. I mean, if you knew a tornado was coming, now that I've experienced one firsthand a little bit, I know a little bit more about it, as he can shake it as that. It's quite a devastating time. And maybe in preparation for it, you, in our day, you might get a generator, emergency radio, storable provisions and such, or, or at least know some, know some good people who's got some equipment you can borrow. In any case... <clears throat> We're not always fully prepared for these events because the uncertainty of those kinds of natural disasters. Remember when I moved into the house that I'm in now 20 years ago, there there was actually a tornado came through. Didn't hit my immediate neighborhood, but hit the one right next to it. Could have gotten us just as much. I got up early Saturday morning and rode out and thought everything was fine and noticed some trees down in other people's neighborhood. Didn't do much to my home. 
10 years ago, something else happened a little further down the way, somewhere in that range, we're at Atapison Way, and um, did quite devastation, but didn't touch mine. And then this last year, well, we got a little taste of it. Um, in any case, there's a certain indifference brought about because the chances of it happening to us is pretty low. Chances of it happening again is, is pretty low. But in the text here in our scripture, Jesus is assuring his disciples that this is not just a possibility, but it is a certainty. It will come, and you should be prepared for it. Now the answer in preparation, the big preparation, not only to be aware that indeed this could very well come, at various degrees, it certainly will come. But to prepare for it, he says that verse 17 in chapter 15, he says these things, I'm, I'm telling you up to this point as he makes a transition, so that you will love one another. That is, the body of Christ will need to truly be engaged with, no, with one another, exercising these various one another commands that he has given, wrapped up in a single word, love, to, to really develop that kind of relationship within the body of Christ. So that should it come, and when it comes, that is persecution, the body of Christ will be able to minister to one another. Because the world's not going to minister to you. The church will need to minister to one another when persecution strikes. Because that persecution may come in various forms, as I've mentioned, and for some, they may very well lose their livelihood because of it. It, it did occur to these disciples. Now, oftentimes, when some sort of persecution comes along, perhaps some might think that, well, it came because I did something wrong. Now, there may be some things you contributed to antagonize or annoy people. I understand that. But ultimately, what, he's, what Christ is teaching his disciples, that persecution is going to come, not necessarily due to your actions and, and your attitudes, it is because they hate Christ. They hate Christ, verse 25 note, without a cause. And I hope you picked that up also in that psalm, as Isaac read it this morning, that same idea. The ungodly hates the godly without a cause. There is no real ultimate cause other than they hate God and specifically Jesus Christ. He says, verse 18, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. They're not hating you because you're judgmental, critical of what they're doing, come across in a condescending way. And again, I think we can all work to present things in, in better ways, but ultimately, it doesn't matter how you package it together, there could be no better delivery of the truth than that by Jesus Christ, and they hated him. In fact, the next night, they will actually torture him to death on a cross. 
the world hated the perfect man without a cause. So Jesus teaches his disciples so that they would not be discouraged should they have similar persecution. And this persecution, I hope you understand now why it comes. It it comes because you are in union with Christ. You're not only identified in Christ, but you're adopted by him. A Christian is said to be one with Christ. What is that characteristic of that union with Christ? Well, what is it that causes this division? Last week, and we gleaned this from our text, that is the teaching of Christ to his disciples, that verse 19, he said, you you are not of this world. That phraseology, you're not of the world. If you were of the world, then the world would love you. That is, there is a distinction between those that are brought in Christ that they are distinct from the world and cannot be identified as being one with the world, that is the culture, the world system, whatever that might be, wherever you might find yourself, there is a distinction. Just as Christ was distinct from the world, those that are in Christ are distinct from the world, and therefore they are not loved. Instead, they are hated. The world may love you in certain circumstances, in certain situations. They may praise you with hosannas on Sunday, but by the end of the week, I assure you, they will shout out, crucify him, crucify him. And we have seen that, and we will see that unfold here in the very life of Christ. Well, this morning we'll continue on and look at the second reason why the world hates Christ, and therefore those that are in Christ. The first is that they are not of the world. And second, I hope you'll note in our text, because specifically Christ chooses those that are in him out of the world. Let's read it in text and we'll read it through the end of the chapter, although we'll focus mostly on verse 18 this morning. John 15, beginning verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, that's the phrase, therefore the world hates you. Remember that word that I said to you, a a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. 
If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. That is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ in the fullness of his expression. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit whose work is accomplished. But, back to our text, now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that was written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause, and indeed they did. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let us pray. Indeed, Father, I pray the truth will permeate our heart to give us great courage and comfort in times of persecution. May we cling to Christ and may these truths enable us to overcome through Christ alone. I pray in his name. Amen. If you're following along, if you remember from last week, I was trying to emphasize specifically why Christ said that this persecution will come. And as we talked about last week, persecution comes because Christians are not, note this, of the world, as the text said. And that is, Christians then are counterculture. It's not just that we're going to try to do so, they just are. And if you follow Christ, you're, you're going to walk in a different direction than everyone else is walking. Everyone else is going this way, everyone else is doing that, and some of what they do may be perfectly fine and acceptable, but be assured of this, examine carefully where you step, because most of the world system, the culture, is going to walk in the wrong direction. That's why you need to follow Christ and not the culture. Everyone's doing it isn't a good reason to do it. Follow Christ. Well, doing so then is going to bring out some sort of natural antagonism and you should expect it. Jesus taught in the Gospels this antagonism will come about not only in the culture, but it may very well come out about in your family because you, you have certain distinctions about you. Your primary goal is to glorify God. Follow Him, Christ. The second reason, as I alluded to here, and note the phraseology in verse 19, it's not only that you're not of the world, but there is a specific reason you're not of the world. It's just that you haven't sat there and thought about the world and system and said and calculated in your mind, so well, this doesn't lead anywhere, which it doesn't. I mean, what is it profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, his soul right? That's for sure. But it's beyond that. There is a dynamic work here by God, specifically, where those that follow Christ, note the distinction, it is that Jesus Christ himself has chosen you out of the world. That's why you're not of the world, is because Christ chose you out of the world. Verse 19, and he says then, therefore, 
the world has hated you. He hates you because you're not of the world. It's because of Christ's choice of those that would follow him and indeed be his disciple. Jesus chooses his disciples, and that's important for those who follow him to know. It can be a hard and difficult truth for many people. And because of it, many will hate you because of that. Jesus chooses his disciples, and I'll look at it from three perspectives. One is certainly with, for salvation. That is to change their soul, to change the, their heart, to change their mind. Secondly, he chooses for sanctification. That is to set them apart, to make them holy, to work in their life a righteousness that is demonstrated in their life and 